Well, good morning, Epic. Good morning. Are you like ready to go home and just watch that movie? Yeah, I, I just think maybe we should close in prayer and just go home, get some popcorn, and uh, just watch Braveheart the rest of the day. Well, actually, the title for our series that we're currently in came from that clip right there. Can you imagine that I would ever watch that movie? Like, I've only seen it like a thousand times. Okay, so if you are new with us today, we are in the middle of a series called Pick a Fight. And in this series, we are learning that there are some things in life that are so valuable that God says, I think you should fight for those things. They're so valuable, I think you should draw your sword, I think you should charge into battle, I think you should fight with all your worth, and I think they're so important, I think they're so valuable, they're even worth dying for. So that's what we're trying to learn in this series, what is so incredibly important to our God. Now, as we begin, let me give you a quick recap of where we've been so far. In week number one, we said that God has placed inside of all of us a warrior's heart that is waiting, just waiting to be awakened. That we have a heart inside of us that longs to live for something bigger than, than the life that we're living right now. We have inside of us a heart that longs to stand and longs to fight for things that really matter in life. I think that's true whether you would say you're a Christ follower or not. You may be here today and say, you know what, I'm not so sure about this whole God thing. I still think God has placed inside of you a desire to be a part of a bigger story than just your life. And we said in week number one that until we find a just cause worth dying for, we'll never really know how to live. So we've got inside of us this heart just waiting to be awakened, waiting to stand for something that's worth fighting for, to stand for something that's worth dying for. Now, we also said in this series that with our warrior hearts that are inside of us, we like to fight, don't we? Come on, don't we like to fight? I mean, there's like not a subject on planet Earth that we're not willing to fight for, fight over. And usually we fight in wrong ways and for wrong things. And God comes along and says, listen, I don't want you fighting like that. I want to teach you how to fight in my ways and for my ways. So again, we're trying to learn from God in this series, not to fight the way that we normally fight. That always gets us in trouble, but to fight in God's ways and for God's ways. Now, in week two, we picked a fight with the giant of injustice that's in our world, huge giant that's out there. And we looked at one example, just one example. We looked at the, the issue of modern day slavery, the reality that there are an estimated 27 million people today enslaved against their will, an injustice that should not be happening in our day and age. And I think God wants us to bring justice to those situations. I think God wants us to bring freedom to those who are held captive and bring punishment to perpetrators. But that's just one example. There are so many injustices that happen, not just around the world, but happen here in our own community, in your own life. There's injustice. And God says, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Stand up for those who can't stand for themselves. So God wants us to bring justice to unjust situations. And then last week, we picked a fight for truth. 
And we learned that truth is on trial in our world. And we learned that Jesus came to defend truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And he also said, if you follow my teachings, if you remain faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Truth is the only thing that can set us free from the lies and deception that we so easily believe. Now, today we are going to engage one of the hardest battles that we will ever fight. It's more difficult than defeating injustice that's around the world, and it is intertwined with our battle for truth. So to set the stage this morning for our training, I've got some props up here. Hopefully I will be able to to use them effectively and I'll talk about them in just a moment. But let me give you some foundational thoughts for us as we begin. First thing is this. If you are not a Christian, God has a goal for you. If you would say, listen, I'm not a Christ follower. God's goal for you is that you become a follower of Jesus, that you realize that he sent Jesus to planet earth to die so you can live. It's a free gift. God wants you to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He wants you to say, listen, I'm flinging the doors open of my heart. Jesus, would you come in and be my Lord and my savior? And God wants you to be a committed follower the rest of your life. Now, if you are a Christ follower, God has a goal for you as well. And that goal is for you to become more like Jesus. God wants you to grow in your faith to the point that you live the way Jesus lived, you love the way Jesus loved, you serve people the way that Jesus served. So that's God's goal for for you if you are a Christ follower. As people in our world look at you, if you're a Christian, they should see Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. You know, Christian was kind of a a slang term that was used to describe those followers of Jesus. They are Christ-like I mean, they acted like Jesus. So when people see us, and if they know that we are Christians, we're followers of Jesus, they should be able to say, oh, that person is like Jesus. They live the way that Jesus lives. So that's God's goal for us, to become more like Jesus. So to help us visualize God's goal for us, I've got these props up here. I've got these poster boards. And I'm going to start with this first poster board here that has the words, word on it, me, Now, this represents me, and this represents you, okay? So on the other side of the stage here, we've got this poster board, and it says Jesus, and that represents Jesus, okay? So you can tell that there is a huge gap between me and Jesus, all right? There's a huge gap between us and Jesus, and there are several problems with God's goal for our lives, Now, I don't want to mess with your perceptions of of what a pastor is and what it means to be a pastor, but let me just tell you this. The reason there is a huge gap between me and Jesus is that I am not like Jesus. I know that's earth-shattering. I know you came this morning to hear that information, right? I am not like Jesus. Typically, I don't live the way that Jesus lived. I don't love people the way that Jesus loved. I don't serve people the way that Jesus served. I am not like Jesus. Now, hold on to your seats, okay? Maybe put your seatbelt on because this next information just might ruin your week. You are not like Jesus either. I know it's, it's shattering. I know it's shocking. But you and I are not like Jesus. 
That's one problem with God's goal for our lives. Now, there's another problem. That other problem is there is something standing in our way from us becoming more like Jesus. And not only is there something standing in our way, but this thing fights us on a consistent basis. This thing fights us, does anything and everything it possibly can to keep us from becoming more like Jesus. And this thing is me. So the thing standing in my way, the thing that does everything it can to keep me from becoming more like Jesus is me. The thing standing in your way that does everything it can to keep you from becoming more like Jesus is not me, but it's you. Are right, you get it? It's you. All right, so it's you. You stand in your own way to keep you from becoming more like Jesus. Inside all of us is a battle that rages every day. The Bible describes this battle as a battle between our sin nature and God's spirit who lives inside of us. Romans 8.11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit decides to show up in your heart. The moment you say, I'm opening the door of my heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, hey, new place to live. And he decides to move into your life, moves into your heart, takes up residence there. Now, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul and he describes this battle. Let me tell you just a little bit about Paul. Uh, Paul, early in his life, he hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He did everything he could to stand in the way. He did not want anybody to grow to be more like Jesus. So he had people imprisoned. He had Christians executed. It was basically a murderer. Basically did anything and everything he could to stand between people becoming more like Jesus. And then one day he met Jesus and his life was radically changed. In that one moment, he had this life-changing encounter. And our mission as a church is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. You know, when people meet me, their lives aren't going to change. Guess what? They meet you, their lives are not going to change. They meet Jesus and there's a chance that they just may radically change how they live. And that's what happened for Paul. So Paul, he was this guy who said, listen, I hate Christians at one point. And if, if any part of your life, you're like, I'm not a big fan of Christians, you and Paul probably would have got along real well. And then he met Jesus and he became a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and died for his faith. Now, listen to what he says in Galatians chapter five, verse 17. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is, the just, which is just opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So again, inside all of us is this battle that rages between the sin nature, part of us, and God's spirit, lives inside of us. And because we were all born with a sin nature, our sin nature has staked its claim and says, listen, I'm not going easy. I'm not going out easy. I'm going with a fight. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to move in, come on in, but I'm not going with that without a fight. I'm going to fight everything the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 7. 
I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I mean, he sounds like he's having a mental breakdown right there in that moment, doesn't he? Verse 21, he says, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. What a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Now, I can fully understand what Paul's talking about. I don't know if you've ever felt that way about you in your own life, but I get it. I understand what he's saying. You know, I love God's law, but there are moments I don't apply it to my life. I want to do what is right, but there are moments I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but too many moments I choose to do what is wrong. I choose to do what my sin nature wants me to do instead of what the Spirit of God wants me to do. Here's just one example. A few weeks ago, my lovely wife and I were having a conversation. We were on a little date together, and we got into a very passionate discussion, and I think I see her out here, so she's going to try to make sure I tell this story the right way. Um, we were having a passionate discussion. You could call it an argument. Okay, uh, We were arguing over money. I know that you have never argued over money, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just try to stay with my story, okay? All right, so we got into this argument about money. We got a little frustrated with each other. I wasn't listening to her. She wasn't listening to me. You know all those good communication skills you should do to resolve conflict? Yeah, I like threw them out the window. So I wasn't doing any of them. And we got to the place in our conversation where my wife asked, so where do we go from here? We'd kind of reached this impasse moment. And being the spiritual leader that I am, the incredible God follower that I am, um, I said this, I don't know. I've got to put the milk away. <laughs> See, we had just gone to the store and we had milk in the backseat of the car. And so I thought, I've got to get the milk away. So I got out of the car. We were in the car when we were having this part of the discussion. Uh, we'd brought it with us from the restaurant to the store to home sitting in the driveway. And so I got out of the car, I put the milk away, and I effectively ended our conversation. So it was over. And Tammy had to go to a meeting that afternoon and evening, so we were not going to be able to talk until the next day. So I did what every loving husband, spiritual leader, what a, a pastor would, you know, every pastor you would think would do. So I replayed our conversation over and over and over in my mind. So once it got to the end, I hit rewind. Let's do that again. No, I didn't like that when she said that or that or that. Rewind. You know, I really didn't like that or that or that. And rewind over and over. And I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but just trust me. Like, this is what was going on for me. And the more I replayed that conversation over and over in my mind, the angrier I became. Instead of applying God's truth to my situation, which would have been the right thing to do, I did not. I ignored God's tr truth. And instead of doing everything I could to repair our relationship in that moment and going and, and doing what God asks me to do, to love my wife in that moment, I didn't. I allowed my anger to stew 
like a roast in a crock pot. Like you might have one at your house going on right now. And that's what was going on for me. I had just stewed, went to bed early, woke up the next day madder than I was. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, gone to bed mad. Like, Bible says don't do that. So I violated that one too. And I don't know if you've ever woken up in the morning, been mad the next day, been the day before, woke up and kind of forgot that you were angry and then remembered. Uh, you know, I woke up. I'm kind of a morning person. I like morning. I'm like, hey, it's morning. Awesome. Great. Oh, I'm mad. Yeah. I'm mad. Got to get back into that thought. So the next afternoon, when Tammy got home, she came up to me and she said, listen, like, I need to talk. I need to apologize for our fight yesterday. I need to ask your forgiveness. Now, I, in that moment, did not want to forgive her. I'm like, I'm still angry. I'm still angry. The, the, the roast is still cooking. It doesn't smell all that great, but it's still you know, percolating. And I'm not ready to be done with this. But Tammy didn't want that. She didn't want to carry that on anymore. She wanted to apply God's truth and she wanted to become more like Jesus. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. If you ever want a verse to memorize and use whenever you're having conflict, a fight with anybody, that's the one you should memorize. That's the one you should have tattooed on your forehead, maybe. I should probably have it tattooed on my forehead backwards so I can read it in the mirror. So Tammy took that verse and she applied it to her life. She, she could have stayed angry, but she didn't. She approached me gently. She asked forgiveness. You know how hard it is to fight with somebody who doesn't want to fight with you? I mean, it's hard. And she wasn't angry anymore. She was calm. And she just wanted to resolve our issues. And as I watched my wife win the battle with her sin nature in that moment, and I watched her take another step towards becoming like Jesus, I thought to myself, I am such a loser. I mean, Paul's words came to my mind. Like, oh, who can save me from me? I mean, what a miserable person I am. Who can save me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? So the thing that's standing between me and becoming more like Jesus is me. The thing standing between you and you becoming more like Jesus is you. Now here's my bottom line thought for today. So when you're at lunch and you've forgotten everything else that I've said, I'm hoping you'll remember this one thing, okay? It's gonna come up on the screen. So let's all look at this together. To become more like Jesus, we have to pick a fight with ourselves every day. To become more like Jesus, we have to pick a fight with ourselves every day. Now, let's do this as a big group, if you would. I really want us to try our best to remember this. So let's, as a group, let's say this out loud together. All right, here we go. To become more like Jesus, we have to pick a fight with ourselves every day. One more time. To become more like Jesus, we have to pick a fight with ourselves every day. There's not a day that you won't wake up that you don't need to reach for your sword and stand against yourself and you fight you so that you can become more like Jesus. There's not a day that that won't happen 
There's not a day that you won't need to draw your sword and fight against yourself because our sin nature always wages war against what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Now, the big question is this, how do we do that? How do we fight ourselves? I mean, we've done that before and we've gotten beat. I don't know if you've ever been beat by yourself, but I have, and it's not fun. It's not fun in that, in that fight to win against, to, to, to engage a battle against yourself. But Paul gives us the first part of our answer in Romans 7, 25. After saying, oh, what a miserable person I am who can free me from this life dominated by sin and death, Paul says, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The amazing thing about our God is he knows that we are broken. He knows that we can't defeat the sin nature on our own. He gets that. People have been trying to live that perfect life, follow all the rules for thousands of years and haven't been able to do it. And that's why Jesus came to us. That's why he came to us to help us defeat ourselves, to help help us defeat that part of us, that sin nature part of us. And when Jesus came, he didn't say, hey, defeat your sin nature, and then you can have a relationship with me. He said, start a relationship with me, and I'll help you defeat your sin nature. And so Paul continues in Romans 8 and says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So that's the part where everybody was trying to follow the rules. It wasn't working. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus came and died so that we could win the battle against our sin nature so we could learn to become more like Jesus. Verse 12 says, therefore, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Remember that the next time your sin nature wants you to do anything contrary to what the Holy Spirit wants for you. You have no obligation to listen to it. You don't have to do it. You don't. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So as Christ followers, there is a death that needs to happen every day in our lives where we die to our rights, our privileges, our desires, and we live for God's rights and God's privileges, and God's desires. My sinful nature told me I had every right to be angry at my wife. And God said, you don't have a right to that. You have a privilege. You have a responsibility to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Ephesians chapter five says, Christ loved the church so much, loved us. He gave up his life for her. And so God says to me, Trent, do you love your wife that much? And I had to say, not nearly enough. Galatians 5, 24 says, those who belong 
to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So have you done that? Have you nailed that part of you, that sin nature part of you to the cross? Now, it's a symbolic thing that God asks us to do. So for us to do that today, how do we do that? The first part of that is we have to admit what that thing is standing between us and us learning to become more like Jesus. We have to to bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is it. This is what it is. This is what is standing between me and you. So when you think about your life, what desires are standing between you and Jesus? What desires are tempting you away from him? What desires are fighting against you and and the good that you want to do in your life? Is it pride? Are you kind of like me? Are you a prideful person? Is it anger? Do you have an anger issue? Is it lust? Is it pornography? Is it jealousy, doubt, or fear, or insecurity? I mean, what is it? What is that part of you that's fighting against you to keep you from becoming more like Jesus? Whatever it is, will you admit it to Jesus? Listen to what God says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So as followers of Jesus, when we come to him and say, I've blown it, like I did it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Like that was me. Like I chose that. When when we come to Jesus that way, he is faithful and just to forgive us and then to cleanse us. Like we get a fresh start. We get a do-over. We get another chance to draw our sword and battle against ourselves again. We shouldn't try to hide it when we blow it. Like when we sin, we shouldn't try to hide that. We shouldn't try to act like it's not a big deal. We should acknowledge it's a big deal. It's keeping me from becoming more like Jesus. And we should bring that thing to Jesus and ask him to help us defeat it. Now, nailing our sin to the cross is not a one-time thing. I mean, we just don't have this big nailing ceremony and you know, nail our, our stuff to the cross, walk away, and we're done. I mean, it's, again, like an everyday deal where every day we say, you know what, God, in that moment that I blew it, I acknowledge that to you again, this moment, like right here, I I chose something wrong. I acknowledge it, I bring it to you quickly, and God will forgive and give you another shot at becoming more like Jesus. Now listen to this. God is not the only one that we need to confess our sins to. Listen to what James 5, 16 says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I did not grow up in a church culture where confession to another person was practiced. And I know a number of you here understand that. Maybe you understand what it's like to go see a priest and and have a, a confessional. The Bible does not say that we need to share our sins, confess our sins to a pastor or a priest. It simply says that we need to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. 
Now, again, I didn't grow up in, in that culture. So when I started uh, being uh, taught James 5.16, when I first heard that taught, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Like, no, I'll just talk to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus and I are good. Like, we got a thing going on. You know, I'll just have this conversation with him. He knows what's going on. I'm not telling anybody else. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about my sin. What would they think about me? They might go tell the pastor, and then the pastor might turn it into a sermon illustration. Like, hey, is Trent here today? I want to talk about sin. Like, hey, would you stand up for a minute? I'm going, "Uh uh-uh. I'm not telling anybody. And then I heard that taught again. I heard that taught again. I heard that taught again. And I did my fight with me and my fight with me, and I was getting my tail kicked by me. And I'll never forget the day I put that verse to practice. I had a friend in my life, and we went to lunch that day. We were down at Woody's, sitting at Woody's. I had a lump in my throat and knot in my stomach. And when I, I got to like, talk to this guy. I have no idea how he's going to respond. No idea. I mean, he may, he may get up and walk out of the restaurant. I have no idea. So I took a risk, swallowed hard. So listen, I'm not sure how you're going to interact with this, but I need to talk to you about something. I need help. There's something in me that's fighting against me, that's keeping me from becoming more like Jesus, and I do not want it to win. And so I shared with him, and this was his response. He said, I've been praying for God to send a friend into my life where I can have those kind of conversations, and God answered that prayer right now with you. And that began for us, Uh, years of being in what I call accountability relationship. And it began a lifestyle for me where I talk with people on a consistent basis about the stuff in me that fights against me to keep me from becoming more like Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We cannot defeat ourselves by ourselves. We need the help of not only Jesus, we need the help of others We need other people to help us become more like Jesus. I have some amazing men in my life who I have asked to help me fight me. And you need some people in your life to help you fight you. We were never meant to do life alone. So do you have those kind of people in your life? Do you have people that you can talk to? You can say, listen, like I got this thing standing between me and me becoming more like Jesus I need some help. Will you help me with that? It was cool because I'm watching my current men's group go through this process. And we're, I don't know, six months into being a small group together. And here we are like stepping out into this territory and everybody's kind of like, okay, are we sure we want to do this? And, you know, stepping out like one small step at a time. And it's so cool to watch because we've got guys that are stepping out saying, listen, will you help me fight me? Because there's some garbage in my life. And we've done that. We're doing it. I mean, there's moments we, we say to each other, look each other in the eye and go, you blew it. Wrong call. Like that wasn't the Holy Spirit you were listening to. That was your junk. So draw your sword and fight and we'll fight with you. We'll stand with you, but we're not gonna let you be defeated by you. It's awesome to watch. We all need that in our lives. Again, we were never meant to do life alone. So in closing, let me ask you this question. What sin issue is keeping you from taking your next step towards Jesus? Again, is it pride? Is it jealousy, anger, is it fear, insecurity, doubt, lust, pornography, a relationship that you shouldn't be in, 
What is it? What is that thing? And today, will you confess it to God? Will you say, God, here it is. This is it. I'm giving it a name. I'm going to name it. I'm going to confess it to you. I'm going to bring it to you. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to come out. And, And during the song that they're going to sing, I invite you to have a conversation with God. Say, God, here it is. During that song, just confess to God the thing that's standing between you and you becoming more like Jesus. Then this week, will you take a risk and will you go talk to somebody else? Will you invite someone to lunch or ask them out for coffee and say, listen, I need help. I want to become more like Jesus, but there's this thing standing in my way and I need you to draw your sword, make my fight your fight, and will you help me defeat me? Maybe somebody in your community group that you could invite to do this. Maybe somebody in our church family that you know. Maybe somebody in your life that you'd say, listen, I I trust this person. I'm going to take this leap of faith. And will you this week take a risk and ask them to help you fight you? Again, the thing that's standing between us and us becoming more like Jesus is us. Will you draw your sword and will you fight? It's a fight worth dying for. Let's pray together. Lord, the sin nature that is inside of us that Paul talks about is, oh man, it's so strong. And Lord, we don't have to be taught to do wrong and we just, we just do that. We've, we've got to fight against this part of us that wants nothing to do with what the spirit, your spirit wants for our lives to help us become more like Jesus. So Lord, we need your help. We cannot do this alone. And, and you realize that. That's why you sent Jesus to die for us. And Jesus, you rushed to earth for us to help us draw our sword, to help us fight against our own sin nature, to give us the power that we need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you bring other people around us and say, listen, you weren't supposed to do life alone. You're supposed to do life with other people. Do life with people that you, sh- you share your struggles with and you say, hey, like, I need some help. So Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord, from this moment as we leave, I know there's a, some folks here that probably the first time they've heard that and thought, I am not talking to anybody about any issue in me. But Lord, we need to do that in order to defeat that part of us that keeps us from becoming more like Jesus. So Lord, I pray that during this song, we would confess to you the thing that's keeping us from becoming more like Jesus. And I pray that this week we would get serious and we would make a phone call. We would talk to a friend. We would say, hey, like, would you just meet me for lunch? Would you have a few minutes where we could talk and pray together? That we would take that leap of faith and confess to each other, Lord, so that we may be healed. Give us the strength and courage we need to fight ourselves, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that so true that sometimes the biggest thing that's standing in the way of us becoming more like Jesus is ourselves? But we have someone who can help us with that and others who can come along aside of us 
in that journey, in that process as well. And if you want to dig deeper into how do we do that, how do we grow to become more like Jesus, we put together a spiritual growth challenge resource to help you do so. There's some Bible passages, some questions for you to answer, and they're great to discuss with another person or with a small group as we journey to become more like Jesus. You can pick up the Spiritual Growth Challenge back at the Connection Center, or you can download it at theepicchurch.com. Thank you to so many of you who referred families for the Giving Tree. It has been awesome, the response. This year, we're going to be able to help over double the number of families here in our church and in our community. So we're so excited about that. I wanted to let you know what to expect over the next couple of weeks. In the back, we're going to have a a Christmas tree up starting next week, and there'll be lots of cards on the tree with specific needs for families here in our church and in the community. And there'll be um, cards for toys, for clothes, for gift cards. We do have a lot of gift cards um, that we like to give families so that they can purchase exactly what they need for their family. There also will be cards for wrapping supplies because we like to give the the gifts unwrapped to the family so then the parents can see what their children are receiving and wrap those. There will also be cards for baby clothes on there as well. This year we're going to be partnering with Alpha Pregnancy Center again, our local crisis pregnancy center, and they need baby clothes for moms who come in who utilize the center. And we're also doing something new this year with the tree as well. We want to honor, um, in December, some unsung heroes in our community, and that is our local police officers. So we're going to be doing a bagel breakfast from Panera for them in December. And if you want to help with that, there'll be gift cards for Panera Bread on there as well to help with that. So look for that next week. Swing by the tree, pick up a few cards, and then we'll be collecting the gifts back in early December. So thanks so much for your help with that. If you want to give to what God is doing here at Epic on an ongoing basis, there's a couple ways to do so. You can do so online at theepicchurch.com or at the giving boxes at the back of each section as well. And if you are new with us today, if this is your first time here, we are so glad that you are here. We hope you enjoyed this service this morning. We'd love for you to swing by our Connection Center on your way out, and we have some information for you to pick up about Epic there as well. So thanks so much for coming. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week.